62 CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Henrietta Mayers was a great godly woman. She, um, she was a Sunday school teacher and really a director of Christian education for, I think it was Hollywood Presbyterian Church in, in Hollywood, California. She influenced um, so many young men and women for the Lord. I think I read recently about 600 men went into the ministry uh, because of her influence. That Campus Crusade for Christ was started um, because of her influence on Bill Bright. Henrietta Mears was a godly, godly woman, great woman, and uh, she was asked one day, if you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? That's a great question to ask. Now, here's a woman who, uh, she was uh, an old woman at the time, godly woman, had many victories in her life. You know what she said, what she answered? She said, very simply, I'd believe God more. I would believe God more. And so I say to you, whatever age you're at, take that from an old woman and just apply it to your life. Believe God more. Trust his words. Don't try to rationalize away. I don't mean you put your minds on, on hold, but believe the word of God. Trust the word of God. I think many a believer in Christ would make a similar change if they could go back and relive their lives. It is very difficult for us to place our trust in anyone else, especially someone whom we can't even see. Yet this aspect of trust is not only important for the believer, but it is critical. Without complete trust in God, we will be open to all kinds of attacks from our spiritual foes. We welcome you to another broadcast of Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff, pastor of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We have been listening to a series of messages from the book of Nehemiah. Today, we will be completing a message in which Pastor Steve demonstrates how the measures that Nehemiah took in preparation for his enemies have significant spiritual application in our lives today. Back in 1988, just before the Winter Olympics were to be aired on television, a special program was broadcast. It was a show detailing how some blind skiers were preparing for a cross-country competition. These skiers were paired with skiers who could see and together they practiced for the cross-country course. For these blind skiers, the most important part of the training was learning to maneuver based upon the instructions of their seeing partner. They had to make turns, brace for slopes and bumps, and navigate around the obstacles as their partner guided them with nothing more than words. Of course, they were trying to do this with as much speed as possible, so there was an element of danger involved. The only thing that kept these blind skiers from having a wreck and losing valuable time in the race was their immediate obedience to the commands of their partners. It was either complete trust or catastrophe. In just a moment, Pastor Steve will remind us that Christians need to have the same kind of trust in our heavenly guide. Our study is taken from some verses in Nehemiah chapter 4, as well as some verses in Ephesians chapter 6, so you can follow along in your Bible as you listen. Now let's join Pastor Steve's study. The second piece of armor that we put on, not only the belt of truth, but notice in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, as we go back there, notice we are to put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's a, it's a breastplate of holiness. 
righteousness. Just as a soldier was protected from his enemy's sword by a breastplate, so we are protected from Satan by a holy life. That's what he's talking about. A holy life is your protection. In other words, Satan looks for unrepented sin in your life to gain a footing, a moral lapse, a loose tongue, a bad temper, a bitter spirit. And when he sees an opening like that, he goes for the vital organs. That's why a soldier had a breastplate on, protected his vital organs. You get that, those hit and you're gone. Well, there are spiritual organs of the heart, the stomach that, uh, that we have, and Satan wants to penetrate. And, and if he does, he's going to make you ineffective for the Lord. He obviously can't take away your salvation. That is secure. That is eternal. But it'll make you ineffective. You see, the best defense against the devil is godliness. Notice James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James says a lot of people don't realize this in dealing with the devil. And there's, by the way, a lot of things out there that are just really flaky when it comes to uh, dealing with, with Satan. A lot of things that go beyond the scriptures. A lot of things that people have incredible imaginations. They want to see Satan behind every bush and and every tree, and you know, if you sneeze, you got the, the demon of, of a cold. The Bible doesn't teach that. But what it does teach is James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. How do you resist the devil? The first thing you do is submit to God. You submit to God. That's why it says in verse 8, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double mind. In other words, get your life right with the Lord. That's the breastplate of righteousness. Make sure that things are right in your life. And so I ask you that this morning. How is your prayer life? How is your time in the word? How is your relationship with your spouse? Anything you need to uh, to go to them and say, please forgive me. I've done this wrong. I've done that wrong. And, and get it straightened out. How about attitudes? How about speech? Anything you've said lately that might be offensive to someone? Might be offensive to the Lord? How about uh, any, any moral lapse, any, anything? How about some unethical things in business? How about a lack of integrity? How about a lack of diligence, maybe laziness? You see, Satan looks for openings in that breastplate to reach your, your vital spiritual organs, and he'll use that. So you want holiness to rule. Are you under Jesus Christ's control? If not, you're fair game in one sense. Are you under his control? Are you yielded to the Lord and his word? If not, then you're, you're just open to Satan and he will find that opening and he'll get in there and he'll penetrate any opening you give him. So there is a day by day, moment by moment, checking in our lives, making sure that sin is confessed and dealt with because he will get in that opening and he'll make it bigger. The third piece of armor that God has provided for our protection is found in verse 15 and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Having first put on a belt and then his breastplate, the Roman soldier would then bend down and put on his shoes. Now you might wonder, why his shoes? Why, why is that so important? Because proper footwear in battle meant stability in your footing, especially when hand-to-hand -hand combat would come. You don't want to be slipping because you're wearing the wrong uh, shoes. You want something that's going to dig in and hold on to the ground, the earth, so that uh, you can stand firm in your fight with the enemy. You want stability. That's what he's talking about. Stability. 
So what kind of a protection has God provided for us so that we would be stable, that we would be stable in our battles with Satan? We are to wear the shoes of peace, the shoes of peace. Now, at first glance, it might seem that Paul is saying, uh, be at peace with everybody and uh, then you won't have problems. Uh, that's not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. The shoes of peace means this. It is the truth that you and I, having come to faith in Jesus Christ, are at peace with God. It is an understanding that being justified by faith, as Paul says in Romans 5.1, we now have peace with God. Now, why is that so important for your stability? Because this, we keep from slipping in the Christian life by an understanding that we are at peace with God, that God is not against us. God is not mad at us. We're at peace with him. And uh, therefore, when Satan accuses us of being too evil to really evidence salvation, we don't buy it and we don't fall spiritually. And we're not all shaken when he comes to us and says, how do you really know you're saved? How do you really know that God cares about you? We understand that we're at peace with God. He's not against us. He's for us. You see, as an understanding of, of the word. You're protected from thoughts like, God is mad at me because I did this and I shouldn't have done this. And now God is just mad at me. And you see, and you buy that, you're going to be unstable in your spiritual life. Or he really doesn't love you like you think. He loves everybody else. He doesn't love you like you think he does because you, you're just not good enough. Well, that's ridiculous. But we, we buy that. We buy that and, and we're unstable. He's against you. Uh, he's annoyed at you. He's not going to bless you. Now that he's got your life, he's going to make it miserable. And uh, God is just going to do horrible things to you. And you can't have a good marriage because you did this in the past. You, you, God's getting back at you. and All of those things are Satan's lies. And the truth that you have to make sure you're wearing is this. I'm a child of God. I'm at peace with God. The war is over. God is not against me. I'm not against him. The war is over. I'm on his side. And I'm not going to listen to the condemnation anymore because I'm not condemned. And I don't have to, to buy that. I have shoes that give me firm stability in the Christian life. Great spiritual stability comes when you know that everything is right between you and the Lord. Why is it that some people are just up and down in the Christian life, up and down? Because they don't know the truth of this. They don't know the truth. They think they've lost their salvation every other week. They got to come down the altar call and get things right every week in church. And they're just up and down, no stability, because they don't understand that they have peace with God. And that it's not simply a subjective feeling. That is the peace of God, but that's not what Paul is talking about. He's talking about peace with God. We have it, so wear it. The fourth item that we put on spiritual warfare to help us and protect us is found in verse 16. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith. Now, a soldier needed his shield because the enemy could fire darts and arrows dipped with pitch that burned slow and hot. If a, a lit dart hit him, it would burst into fire and it would burn him, making him totally inactive and obviously ineffective for any more battles. Now, the enemy of our souls still does this. He sends what, what Paul calls flaming missiles, flaming missiles. What are flaming missiles? Well, fears, worries, 
doubts, all kinds of things. Those are the flaming missiles, at least some of them that, that you get. Those are the kinds of flaming missiles that he hurls at us. And you need to, to pick up that shield and ward them off of you. But we don't have a physical shield. What is the shield that God has given to protect us from, from those flaming darts? Well, he calls the Bible calls it faith, trust. Believe God's word. Believe God and his word. By trusting his word, we're able to extinguish those missiles so that they don't destroy our spiritual lives. They don't destroy our spiritual lives. Listen, there is nothing you really can do to keep those darts from being hurled at you. You, you really can't can do anything. It's out of your control. But you can make sure they don't hit you. You can make sure they don't hit you. And how is that? You take faith and you apply it. You don't try to rationalize it. You don't try to go one-on-one uh, -on -one with Satan and try to outsmart him. Uh, you, you just can't do that. He's a mad genius, if we can put it like that. But you can keep them from hitting and defeating you by trusting God's word. Otherwise, the darts are going to hit, the fire is going to spread, and you're going to add fuel to the fire by more of this stuff. And before you know it, you're all wrapped up in yourself, and you're totally ineffective, and he's won that battle. Henrietta Mares was a great godly woman. She, um, she was a Sunday school teacher and really a director of Christian education for, I think it was Hollywood Presbyterian Church in, in Hollywood, California. She influenced um, so many young men and women for the Lord. I think I read recently about 600 men went into the ministry uh, because of her influence. That Campus Crusade for Christ was started um, because of her influence on Bill Bright. Henrietta Mears was a godly, godly woman, great woman. And uh, she was asked one day, if you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? That's a great question to ask. Now, here's a woman who, uh, she was uh, an old woman at the time, godly woman, uh, has, had many victories in her life. And you know what she said, what she answered? She said, very simply, I'd believe God more. I would believe God more. And so I say to you, whatever age you're at, Take that from an old woman and just apply it to your life. Believe God more. Trust his word. Don't try to rationalize it. That doesn't mean you put your minds on, on hold, but believe the word of God. Trust the word of God. The fifth piece of armor that God has provided for our protection is found in verse 17. Paul writes, and take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. A soldier uh, had a, a helmet to protect what part of him? Obviously his head. Protected his head. That's where your brain is. Your mind is. The helmet that God has provided for us to protect our minds is the truth about our salvation. That's why he says it's the helmet of salvation. It's the helmet that protects our minds about and, and the truth about salvation. You need a helmet or your, your minds are going to get hurt. In fact, um, most of you, at least who follow football, are aware that one of the assistant coaches just standing on the sideline, and obviously they don't wear helmets, maybe they will now, but uh, he got a, a player, was uh, knocked out of bounds and went into him, and he flew back, and it's AstroTurf at, um, at, at the stadium, and he hit his head on the AstroTurf. It was basically concrete with a little bit of carpet over it, and uh, maybe on the sidelines even less so, and he has a skull fracture. And uh, I think he's going to be okay, but the last I read, he's still disoriented. You need a helmet to protect you, protect your head. God has provided a helmet that protects our minds from the attacks of Satan, and that is the truth about salvation. However, when you're dealing with salvation, you have to ask yourself, what aspect of salvation? 
There are three aspects of it. And I think all three are included in this. First of all, the, uh, the helmet of salvation protects us from doubting if we were saved in the past. There's a past tense of, sal- of salvation. It protects us from doubting if we were ever saved in the past. Also, the truth about salvation, the helmet that God has provided, protects us from, uh, from doubting if we're saved in the present. Some people they believe they were saved in the past. They just think that they can lose it in the present. Truth about salvation protects us from that. Other, there's a future aspect of salvation, and I tend to think this is the emphasis of what Paul is, is talking about here. Some people wonder if Christ is coming again, if the battle will ever be over, and that's what he's talking about here, the battles. If the battle will ever end, if it'll ever be over, where is the finish line for this? Life is hard, it's tough. And the helmet of salvation protects us from being discouraged that that we're always going to have battles and it's always going to be this rough. And the helmet of salvation tells us that it won't always be like this. There is a finish line. Jesus is coming again. And uh, someday our trials will be over. That's why Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8. He said in verse 18, that great, great verse, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own, but because of him who subjected and so forth. And then he says, we groan, we groan, but we know that that groaning will be over. Someday that groaning will be over. And you know what? You need to make sure that you have an understanding of salvation. You need to make sure that that you understand about salvation in the past. That were you really saved? Have you really repented and trusted Jesus Christ and the salvation in the present? You need to understand that salvation is forever. It didn't depend upon you getting into the family of God. It didn't depend upon you staying in the family of God. It is by the grace of God found only in Jesus Christ and his shed blood for us. That is, that is what you have to trust. And that is what you have to be protected from the enemy saying, uh, maybe you committed the unpardonable sin. After all, it's unpardonable. So maybe you're guilty of it. And that's what he does. How about this? Have you have, do you have enough faith? If it takes faith, do you have enough faith? Well, you need to understand that it isn't how much faith you have. It's who your faith is in. And you need to understand what the uh, unpardonable sin is. And it's not for a believer. It's for an unbeliever. And he might whisper in your ears, those of us who are into uh, the sovereignty of God and Calvinism, he might say, how do you know you're the elect? How do you know you're the elect? Maybe you're not the elect. And you need to understand, what does the Bible say about salvation? Or he might say, maybe your eschatology is wrong. Jesus isn't coming again. And you need to have the helmet of salvation. Truths about salvation. I mean, all of us are prone to be attacked in this area. Um, half, my, half my life going through Bible college was battling in this area. Doubts of salvation and struggles with it. You need to know what the Bible says about that. Now, we need to, to stop here, even though I'm only on page 5. And my notes go to page 10. But I know that some of you have made lunch appointments and um, wouldn't want to spoil that. Next week, we'll pick this up. But as we, as we wrap this together, bring it all together and, and wrap it up, I need to ask you, are you protected? Will you apply these truths to your life? When you get up tomorrow, will you think through this? 
Will you think through, do I have my, my belt on? Do I have the belt of truth? Am I going to apply the truth of the Word of God? Which means you've got to get into the Word of God. You've got to know it. You've got to apply it. Otherwise, you're going to fall for His lies. Is that belt on? How about the breastplate of righteousness? Is there something that's unholy as a Christian about your life? And you need to, to deal with it. You need to go to the Word, deal with it, confess it, repent. Is there somebody you need to go to and say, you know what? Things are not right between us. It really doesn't matter if it's your fault or my fault at this point. I just want you to know I love you. Let's just, let's just put things aside and forgive me for my attitude. Forgive me for whatever I've done. I don't even know what I've done. I mean, and so in the past, maybe you do know what you've done, then you got to straighten that out. But is there something, because if you don't get that right, he, he's going to, Satan's going to use that. You're not protected. You're very vulnerable. How about your feet? Have stability in your life? Are you up and down, up and down? Very emotional. And we don't want to deny emotions. We just don't want to live by our emotions. But you're, you're so unstable. You're so unstable. And uh, it's because you, you really have not applied the great truths that you have peace with God. You have not studied the theology of it. And you need to. It's going to be instability in your life. How about the shield of faith? The shield of faith. Will you believe the word of God? It was Martin Luther who said that you can't stop the, the birds of doubt from flying around your head, but you can make sure they don't land in and nest in your mind. You can make sure of that. And you have a shield of faith. You have to apply that. And you need to get your mind on the things that are true and, and, and don't meditate on the things that are wrong and, and evil. And then that last thing we looked at, and we're not finished here, but we'll stop now with the helmet of salvation. What is protecting your mind? Do you meditate on the truth? Do you understand the three aspects of salvation? And do you meditate on that? And do you make sure that your minds are protected from those insidious thoughts that Satan gives all of us? And it doesn't matter what level of spirituality you're at. It doesn't matter how many years you've known Christ. It doesn't matter whether you're in the pastorate or whether you're a brand new believer. All of us need to protect ourselves from the enemy. And I'll tell you this. If you do not know Jesus Christ... Uh, don't think that that uh, Satan just attacks believers. He's after unbelievers, and actually he's accomplished what he wants with unbelievers. And I want to just close by, by this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. This is for those who may not know Jesus Christ. He says in verse 3 of chapter 4, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. That is, it's hidden. Some people just can't see it. Why? In, though, in whose case the God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Actually, if you don't know Jesus Christ, Satan really, we shouldn't say, is after you. He's got you. He just wants to keep you blind to the gospel. He wants to keep you blind to the truth. But you don't have to stay blind. I invite you to trust Jesus Christ. I invite you to come up after the service. One of our leaders should be right here, and uh, you can speak to them about faith in Christ. But for all of us, we need to make sure that we understand there is a real enemy, and we need to be prepared for his attacks. You know what? You'll be attacked this week. I'll be attacked this week, probably a lot of times. 
you need to apply these truths to your life. You probably noticed that there is a thread that connects each of the pieces of armor Pastor Steve has discussed so far. It is the principle of taking God at His word. Simply put, the believer's greatest need in preparing against the devil is to learn what God has said and then embrace it as being eternally true and effective. Like the blind skiers mentioned at the beginning of today's broadcast, we must learn to trust our guide who can see so much more of the course we are traveling. We thank you for joining us today here on Verse by Verse. If you would like to know more about Verse by Verse, please call us at 727-239-0306. You can also visit our website, www.versebyverseradio.org. Now, Pastor Steve has not yet concluded this comparison between the preparations of Nehemiah and the preparations of Christians today. The scriptures have much to say on the topic of the Christian's armor. Now, Pastor Steve has not yet concluded this look at the preparations of Christians today, but we are going to take a short break. 